0: Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about, which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is talk about it most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our youtube page if you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com phenomenology club and in general to learn more about our club what we do and how you can become a member for only one dollar a month please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club thank you for listening stay trippy trippy. 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 hello and thank you for listening i'm just about to play the audio from this uh episode discussion i just wanted to preface this upload though before i play that for you because this is the longest upload that i have uh ever done it's about twice as long as my usual content Um, There are time codes listed in the original YouTube upload, which I have linked in this description. Um, And I hope that you would all listen to the full thing, even though it is long and cumbersome. Um, Basically, it kind of starts as almost a bit of a history lesson, I would say, kind of. Um, But if you just want to get to the controversial quote unquote content, which I don't really think it's actually controversial at all, but you know what I mean? Um, that begins somewhere around the 45 minute mark, probably a little bit after, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, but yeah, hope you listen to the full thing. If not, um, go ahead and skip there. But anyway, without further ado, here is the episode. All right, let's fucking do it. Hello and welcome to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club, hosted by myself, Buttress, the founder and leader of Phenomenology Club, also known as Bethany of New Jersey, a woman from New Jersey. (laughs) Um, some of you know that I've stated on various venues. Um, that I don't really like to get too political uh, on Phenomenology Club for various reasons. I mean, for one, I am just personally so averse to this culture that I feel exists on YouTube uh, especially, where, like, all of these people, um, both, uh, I mean, from all sides, well, how many sides are there, whatever, from opposite poles of the political spectrum, um you know just kind of like uh, (laughs) deem themselves experts on something because they have some strong opinions and just you know assert these opinions endlessly into YouTube and many of them gain like a huge audience just for like you know going on these long-winded explanations for their own political opinions and I just I really am averse to this culture Uh, for one, I feel like it creates an environment where people are encouraged to, like, not really care too much about diving deep. Like, all people want to interact with, it seems like, is the ideology, like, which is important, obviously, because I think ideology is how you interface with a lot of these issues. Like, a thing like feminism, for example, which I'm about to go on my own long-winded rant about. Like, You have to interface with it on an ideological level if you're going to go any deeper than that, you know. But I think going deeper is essential, and this is sort of my problem with this culture of uh, YouTube activism. I don't even know what you'd call it. Because it's basically just these people like, you know, what's the hot topic this week? I'm going to go on a long winded rant about it, even though I don't have a degree in anything. I'm just some guy that like lives on a live Twitch stream and like reads the New York Times every day. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's just like, meh. if I want to get like political information, because I mean, first of all, I don't have a hard time forming my own opinions. I like to engage in discourse with other people. But, like, you know, I don't really need anybody to, like, give me an opinion on something like, you know, I don't know, feminism, for example, really. Um, And when I want to challenge my own opinions, like, I feel like I have to engage with the source material that you can't get from these sort of YouTube people, you know. You have to actually read about political theory. You have to read about economics. You have to read about, like, literal history and specific information, all this shit. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm ranting. But you know what I mean? I hope you relate to this. I'm very averse to this culture, so I'm very afraid of becoming one of these people. You know, I never want to be like them. I hate them. I despise them. I do not wish to be like them. But beyond this, you know, the purpose and the focus of this channel in general is to be philosophical and more specifically, phenomenological, because for me, much of the utility in phenomenology and in philosophy is that it equips us as individuals with a essentially a toolkit with which we can create our own opinions, you know? I don't want to give people my opinion. I mean, of course I do, and I do this all the time, but I'm mostly interested in engaging fundamentals, because this is what I do as an individual thinker, too, you know? If I want to really investigate an idea, of course, at first, I'll interface with it in a more superficial way. Maybe I'll, you know, engage with the popular ideology surrounding some social conflict, but then I start to think, like, what are the underlying ideas, you know? And I think that if you start from the underlying ideas, uh that this process is also very effective you don't necessarily need to whittle down i think you can also start from what is foundational and for me i feel like it's a good way to share ideas with people where i think that maybe we would have like some conflict if i just wanted to dive into like the upper tiers of the argument you know when you agree on the fundamentals it's easier to agree on the specific arguments we build with these fundamentals um But, um, despite all this, (laughs) I am a woman, as I have stated, and as such, I feel like I do have some unique perspectives that perhaps some people would be interested in hearing about because, for one, people have expressed to me that they are interested in hearing me go on about it, um, even though I'm hesitant to do so, um... But, you know, I think feminism in particular, too, is really an interesting uh, socio-political movement, I mean, for for many reasons, but for me, like, it's very interesting in for how new it is, you know? This is a very new movement in the history of the world, and of course, when you look through the history of the world, like, there's been all sorts of smaller feminist movements, but it really wasn't until the last century, the turn of the 19th going into the 20th century, that there really started to be some sort of like global mobilizing around feminist ideas and getting feminist legislation passed and stuff. So I think that because this is true, that because feminism is such a recent phenomena, um, oh, that reminds me, I'm trying to use phenomena more grammatically correctly uh it's a phenomenon right singular (laughs) can i forget it i'm just gonna keep doing what i've been doing it's such an interesting phenomena phenomenon phenomena because um you know a lot of the theory is still very new it's definitely in like its infancy stages in many ways and this personally uh brings me much comfort as a feminist that is always upset deeply upset (laughs) not really I think I'm okay right now um but but you know it's it's exciting how this movement is in many ways new, and especially when it comes to like feminist theory and philosophy of feminism, like a lot of these ideas are uh still being developed, and a lot of novel ideas have just not even really reached an audience yet, um, because they are so new. Uh, so anyway. I think that, you know, I feel a little, a little more confident in trying to speak about these things and trying to offer some insights. Um, But anyway, I still want to try to attempt to do this through some sort of philosophical lens, obviously, because this is Phenomenology Club. And not long ago, somebody asked me if I could do a basically a crash course to the waves of feminism through the lens of phenomenology. And at first I was like, I kind of thought this sounded like an absurd request, like, huh, what, what do you want me to do? I didn't understand the question, but then I thought about it, you know, this is actually probably a very useful exercise um, for those of you who listen to this series. Uh, and especially those of you who have heard the What the Fuck is Phenomenology episode, the introductory episode to this series, uh, you know that much of what I try to do here is investigate language and investigate concepts and find what is most essential to them. Because I think that The only way that we can ever find agreement in a meaningful way, obviously, is by defining the terms of our arguments and clarifying our language, you know, because language is really the only way we have to interface with any of these arguments. And in that way, it's really not arbitrary, especially when you're doing a thing like philosophy and trying to present a philosophical argument. We need to find agreement. And when there is none, We should create some, but I think that the most effective way of finding agreement, especially when it comes to words and definitions, is finding what is most essential about anything, you know. And when it comes to feminism in particular, I mean, a lot of people already know that I am someone that uh, feels like I exist amidst a conflict, you know. I um, definitely am opposed to a lot of the current narratives in mainstream feminism and all this. So uh, I think that actually doing this exercise, trying to do some phenomenological reductions together, in style, uh, I think that this could be a useful exercise in also illuminating exactly what these kinds of conflicts that, uh, historically have arisen between groups of feminists and also between people like myself and what I perceive to be mainstream feminism which I feel very much opposed to so let's fucking do it anyway um also let me just say look at my look at my creative little title i call, i called this observations crashing the feminist wave function and some of you nerds in the audience might know that In quantum mechanics, Wave function collapse occurs when a wave function reduces to a single eigenstate due to interaction with the external world. This interaction is called an observation. And of course this is very relevant to phenomenology, right, because phenomenology asserts that all knowledge is empirical, just as natural science asserts that all natural is empirical. And what empirical means is that it comes to us by way of what is observable clearly what is observable to us as individuals. So all we can really do is share our observations and compare and contrast them with each other and try to find this mutual agreement. So let's try to do it. So I think that the first thing we have to do clearly is define feminism, right? What the fuck is feminism? Let's ask the dictionary. Of course I had my own idea, okay, but. Keeping in line with what we do here, we usually use Merriam-Webster's dictionary as a point of reference. So let's ask Merriam, and then I will give my feedback. Merriam-Webster. Ready? Two definitions for feminism a noun. Number one the theory of the political economic and social equality of the sexes what do we think do we agree with this start thinking start giving me uh, some 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 thoughts definition number 2 organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests now personally this is something I align with much more. Ugh. Oh, my God! I have to pee. All of a sudden, I peed right before. See, this is women problems. Give me thirty seconds. I'll sing a song from far away. Are you ready? My toilet's like not even that far by me. <laughs> give me, give me thirty seconds. Love is a song that never ends. One simple key repeat. <laughs> like the world of a heavenly choir. The dawn. <laughs> Love is a song that never ends. Life may be swift and feely. No more money, more money. Boom, I'm back. <laughs> uh anyone who recognizes that song, shout outs to you. Only real ones, real recognize real. Anyway, so, what was I just saying? Oh, yeah. Feminism. Let me read it one more time again. This is what Merriam-Webster says. Number one, the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. And number two, organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. What do you guys think about this? Because I think already we have a, a point of contention that I could begin to go on a long-winded rant about, and I'm not sure if here's the place to do it, so I'll uh, I'll feel it out. But I think that the difference between these two definitions might appear kind of uh, n- not incredibly, like, distinct to people just reading these, but I think... Uh, there's very there's a different idea between the two of them, and th- this <laughs> the difference between these two definitions already illuminates a conflict that exists in feminism, especially modern feminism. Maybe you can find it. Let me read this one more time. Think about what is fundamentally different about these two definitions. Are you ready? I'll read it slowly. Thinking caps on. Ready? The Theory of the Political, Economic, and Social Equality of the Sexes. I'll read it one more time for you. The Theory of the Political, Economic, and Social Equality of the Sexes. Okay, got it? Now this is the second definition. Organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Does anyone feel that they have identified the key difference between these two definitions and the one that has resulted in much conflict in discussions about feminism? Maybe you have, and you just can't make your way to the keyboard. I don't see anybody saying that they have, I'll tell you. The fundamental difference between these two definitions is the first one puts forth the idea that feminism is concerned with the equality of the sexes. And the second definition makes no such allusion to a thing like equality, whatever that fucking means in this instance, especially, who knows... But it says that it's organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. And personally, I am much more, I much more aligned with this definition. That feminism is about women's rights. It's not about equality. Equality, I mean, this... First of all, I'm not sure when, maybe some of you know, uh, when people really started to flock around this idea that feminism is about equality between men and women, I don't feel this way at all. It's about women's rights. It kind of seems like people felt the need to, like get men to be a little bit more on board with it you know to be like it's not about women uh you know doing this or that it's about equality for all of us it's great for all of us you know feminism is for men too it's about equality like no bitch it's not it's about women (laughs) that's why it's called feminism it's not called humanism or everyoneism it's called feminism because it's about women's rights whether or not ultimately you think the goal of women's rights has been fully actualized once we reach a state of conditions that could be called equal that's ultimately inconsequential but for me i think the framing is very important because personally i don't know i don't know when it will truly be uh you know when women's rights have fully reached this goal because for me it's kind of like the concept of equality is kind of troubling in and of itself to me because in many ways I feel like a lot of the problems that exist for women is because we are technically seen as equal under law and I think that we get left behind in many ways because the government doesn't pay attention to us as women there's not provisions made for us as women you know To think of a thing like abortion, which I'll go into (laughs) a discussion about in a bit, like this is a perfect example, I think, of the problem and why feminism needs to be considered the fight for women's rights and not the fight for equality. Because look at abortion laws. We are granted the rights to abortion because we are covered under a right that also exists for men. Women don't have the specific right to abortion. Women have the right to medical privacy, which is a thing that our government argues belongs to everybody. And that's why we get to have rights to abortion, because it's everybody's equal right to have a right to medical privacy. And this I perceive as a problem. I think that abortion will never be a thing that we as women cannot worry about until we have specific laws for us as women, that we get to have them, you know? I don't think that um, being covered by this this other law, this this right to medical privacy, I don't think that offers us enough protection, you know? So this is my problem with that. But let me not go crazy about that right now. What were we doing? We're trying to define feminism. So this says organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. That's the definition I align more with. But do I think it's uh, totally accurate? Mm, No, not necessarily. Because what does organized activity mean? I think you have to add like a descriptor here. I would say that it would... uh, I think that you should add a descriptor, like it's organized socio-political activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Because when you don't clarify that this is a political movement and a socio-political movement, I think that that can become kind of lost in translation. Um, And, you know, people will say, well, it's not necessarily like about like law or anything like this. I would disagree. I think that really like as this is a political movement, um you have to integrate that into the definition. So, do you all agree with me? I would say that feminism is organized socio-political activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Boom, I'm moving on. So, if you disagree with me, tell me about it. So the first wave of feminism, first of all, let's describe it and then let's talk about whether or not we think it meets this goal uh, of feminism that we have just defined for ourselves, what feminism is. Um, I feel like I'm gonna be here for a minute. Uh, Also, I wanna say Like I was kind of saying earlier, I am not an expert. I am not a historian. I am learning about the history of feminism literally as we go on. And it's honestly crazy to me. I mean, I consider myself a pretty educated person, like a self-educated person. And I consider myself pretty intellectually astute in many ways. But I don't think I've ever felt so intimidated by having to confront how much knowledge I lack in any topic uh than I have with learning about the history of feminism like just reading wikipedia articles about the history of feminism I learned so much that I'm like wow wow it's fucking nuts that I never learned any of this shit first of all but also that I never pursued it on my own like what the fuck have you been doing bitch huh this this shit affects your life what have i been doing i have not engaged with the history of feminism in any meaningful way until pretty recently in my life so so having said that um also you know if any of you are historians and know things please tell me stuff please tell us and tell us where we can learn about this stuff but i swear to you if you're somebody that like doesn't really hasn't really engaged with this even just go read some of these wikipedia shits and be prepared to get your mind blown because for example now let's start speaking about first wave feminism i uh had no idea that first wave feminism um i mean i had always learned about it as essentially just like women fighting for the right to vote you know the suffragettes fighting for the right to vote like that's I, i mean i'm sure we learned other stuff but i really don't remember much But, like, reading about this shit, it's kind of crazy how much stuff happened before, uh, we eventually won this right to vote. Um, for example, like, beginning in the late 19th century... Um, women were slowly winning the right to vote on a state level in all of their individual states. Like, I didn't know this. I thought that the right to vote was only instilled on a federal level and that they won this right to vote in 1920. That was like, that was it. Women couldn't vote before and now they can vote. I had no idea that many states had already granted them the right to vote and that this was a long process of trying to, uh, you know, get all these states to pass it. But at the federal level, you know, it became illegal to deny women the right to vote. So that's that's cool. That's something I learned. Um, the first wave is defined ultimately as this period, by the way. I didn't even say when it was. Um 19th and early 20th century, and it's, it's described as having ended in, uh, 1920 when we won the federal right to vote, but, um, I'll tell you why in a minute, too, I think that might not be entirely sufficient of a history, um, also you know when we're describing the waves of feminism and feminism as this more mobilized movement historically we're also describing things that happened primarily in the western world and it wasn't only in the western world but um a lot of it was a lot of the mobilization and the the movements was In the Western world. And then, of course, in the Western world, there's separate demographics doing separate things. Like, the history of black women's feminism in America looks nothing like the history of white women's feminism and, um... This is another history that I think people are criminally under familiar with. Like, the first wave is generally said to have ended in 1920, but this sort of ignores the fact, for example, that from like the 1920s to the 1940s, black feminists were like incredibly active. They were doing all sorts of things. A lot of them were becoming communists. They were working on like union building. They were, uh, creating theory and in many ways, laying the groundwork for what would eventually become things like intersectionality theory and stuff like this. So they were incredibly active during this time period. And I think that it's incumbent on us in many ways to, uh, you know, consider this when thinking about even how we describe the first wave. When did it end? Did it really end in 1920? Or did it end for a certain demographic in 1920? Um, but also another thing I didn't know, and this will come up in a bit. Did you know, this was probably the craziest thing I learned. Did you know that in the late 18th century, there was the first movement in America for sexual liberation? And it was not led by women at, at all. <laughs> women pretty much had nothing to do with it. It was led by men. It was this male-led uh movement for sexual liberation they had all these kinds of writings and stuff which haha excluded women funny um, and it was basically a lot of men arguing for like, you know, why they should be able to have sex, uh, in brothels before they're married and not be judged for it and stuff. You know, it was a very male driven movement. Um, and it's kind of funny that whenever we talk about things like sexual liberation, we like always frame it about being like four women and stuff. But I think that <laughs> looking at this history and how it, uh, came about, I think it was called, what was its name? It had a stupid name. What's your stupid fucking name, you horny guy movement? Horny guy movement. I don't fucking know some dumb shit. Horny guy movement. Uh, fighting for for sexual liberation, which basically was just a bunch of men. Yeah. M- making arguments for why they should be able to boink whenever the fuck they want and not be judged. So, great for them. Um, And another thing that's really important, I think, to talk about here, too, women were fighting for things like property rights. They were fighting for things like um, having their own spaces at work, like restrooms for women. Um so that they could enter the workforce more easily, you know? They had to create spaces for themselves that didn't exist, uh, where they could be safe and also, you know, take care of their womenly duties, whatever the fuck, without worrying about some fucking man assaulting them, all this. Um, and, yeah, land, right to land, I said. And also, there was a big movement uh, where basically all these states were passing anti-contraception laws because this first wave of feminism also is when you start to see the beginning of like reproductive rights with the development of birth control uh hormonal birth control and with the development of birth control a lot of states were like fuck that you can't have birth control bitches so you know a lot of them were starting to pass oral or uh, anti-contraception laws and women were actively fighting during this Fighting this during this time, and I believe were largely unsuccessful. You know because birth control was basically banned up until like the seventies. See, I don't, I don't know this shit. We need a historian. I need like a little person on a typewriter. Anyway, read about it. Read about it. So anyway, let's let's <laughs> let's summarize because <laughs> we need to. I need to talk about other stuff. I want to interface with the ideology. I'm not a historian. I'm not here to give you a history lesson. But what do we think? Do you think that first wave feminism, it's, it's pretty safe to say that uh, the goals and the achievements of first wave feminism is feminist? Feminist, uh, according to our definition where we said it was the socio-political organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. I mean, personally, I would say yes. I don't think that there could be much contention here. Like, the women were literally fighting for all sorts of, like, legal uh, changes and um, all this, you know. They They were fighting for very specific things. It wasn't, like, the right to vote, you know. It's like, can you really say that that's... You can make an argument that that's not a thing women should care about and won't liberate us and... Believe it or not, there were women back then too that were on some pick me shit that were like, fuck all these feminists telling me what I want. I don't need to vote. I'm happy staying home with the kids. I don't care. That's feminist. It's feminist to do whatever I want. (laughs) Like, can you imagine all the ridiculous shit we have to deal with now? Can you imagine these bitches just don't even want the right to vote? (laughs) Bitch, give me a fucking break. These women have always existed and they'll always exist. And it's not just like, it's not a woman's problem, you know, in any community of people fighting for their rights, there's always going to be some sort of group of people that are like, I don't care, I'm happy. <laughs> I don't give a that. Anyway, I would say that yes, this aligns with the goal of feminism, who cares, let's get to the controversy. So again, 1920s to 1940s is a very active period for um, black women's feminism in particular. Oh, and also, I should say that also in the late 18th century or 19th century, yes, 19 no, fuck, I hate centuries because it's always one later. The 19th century, um, also there was a lot of very active black women's uh feminists. So, Joiner Truth's famous speech, uh, Am I a Woman or Am I Not a Woman? Uh, I think that was like 1870 or something. And, you know, around this time there were other women like her and I believe Ida B. Wells and others who were, um, you know, already laying the foundations of black feminism in America. Uh, So they were also very active during this other time too when I was describing how women are going about state by state trying to get the right to vote. So anyway, is it feminism? I say so. Great. We just phenomenologically (laughs) reduced the first wave of feminism and I concluded it's feminist boom good for me now 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 let's get fucked up let's get fucked up are you ready so (laughs) so enter the second wave um first of all the second wave of feminism, I mean, the second wave of feminism, the presence of it and the emergence of it ultimately defines the first wave in and of itself. Because, you know, of course, women that were like the suffragettes and, you know, Sojourner Truth and all them, they weren't like, okay, this is the first wave. They didn't make such a distinction, obviously. I mean, why would they? They started this movement. Uh, they did, probably didn't even conceptualize that there would be a thing that we call waves of feminism, you know? They were just fucking doing what they had to do. But then, um, in the, what year was it? I think it was like 60, I think 68 it said on this one thing that I read. Where is it? it? What is it? Where is it? It was about the woman who coined the term, uh, Martha Lear. Writing in the New York Times Magazine, uh, she first coined the term first wave feminism in March 1968, and it says that at the fir- at the same time she also used the term second wave feminism. So I'm not sure if she's the first woman to ever say second wave feminism, but kind of sounds like it. Um, but the start of second wave feminism is basically uh, generally. Said to be when Betty Friedan published her book in 1963, which was like wildly successful, called The Feminine Mystique, which is basically um, a book where she had been commissioned by some sort of researchers. I believe it was um, a college that asked her to like do some sort of a survey of like all these different women i believe mostly housewives and she found in doing this research that a lot of women were expressing to her that they were very discontent with their reality as housewives and of caretakers and a lot of them had much higher aspirations than just this life of essentially domestic servitude i mean the early 1960s is still obviously not uh, uh, still coming on the tail of the 1950s Where like you know Any of us who have seen commercials and ads From then it's like being a woman Oh my god it's like you're a living mannequin You know like Make sure dinner's ready when for when Brad comes home Like don't raise your voice too loud Like <laughs> It's like It's scary shit you know Um obviously So fuck all that Some leave it to beaver hell Hellscape So of course you know many of these women were discontent and they felt that they weren't allowed to voice this kind of discontentment. And this book exploded essentially and as it did, all other types of feminist movements also exploded. There was a huge explosion in black feminism, a huge explosion in lesbian feminism. Uh, All kinds of rights were being fought for and won. Things like, you know, laws concerning, like bringing your kid to the workplace, Uh, birth control. Birth control is crazy. This is a thing that I didn't know until I looked it up. You wanna get fucked up? Hold on, let me just find the year. I didn't know this. And it's crazy because so many women, like my grandma was alive when this happened. She didn't tell me. Why didn't you tell me grandma? That shit was so crazy. Like, birth control was, like, illegal for single women up until, like, 73 or something. It was, like, after Roe vs. Wade. Like, bitch, are you kidding me? The fuck? The fuck? While I look that up, A. Quinn just asked, is feminism relevant to men at all? Well, I mean, you share half the globe with us, don't you? I would hope it's relevant to you is it you i mean you tell me are you a man is it relevant to you i would hope that you're interested in such things but i don't i don't uh i don't put any burden on them i think feminism should not expect men to do anything if that's what you're asking me because i think that that's just stupid it's foolish bad strategy why do we assume that we can convince men uh to like first of all understand exactly what we're trying to achieve and help us achieve it you know that's not to like speak ill of men or anything and say you're like evil or something but it's just like I can't I can't assume that you are going to like align with the goals of feminism the way I will know I'm saying sorry about it it's my perspective that's that phenomenology where's the fucking birth control laws I'm sick of it birth control birth control birth control no 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 what bitch the fuck it's probably called contraception oh, do i really got to find this right now i'm sorry hold on so rovers wade is when i already spoke about that a little bit I don't wanna I already did that right. Rover Wade nineteen seventy three. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, where we are granted the right to abortion because of an umbrella right, the right to medical privacy, not because we're really granted the right to the to abortion, which does not exist women and men who care. <laughs> Stay woke, okay? Like this right can be taken from us at any time, and we should all know by now that uh many people want to take it away from us so you should definitely care about that and stay stay on your fucking toes. Um where's the contraception laws? God damn it, you motherfuckers. You motherfuckers if you don't show me these motherfucking contraception motherfucking boss. Mmm hmm here we go finally jesus christ so rovers wade was 1973 1972 there's a case called eisenstadt versus baird what are these two germans <laughs> fighting for birth control i don't know what's up with this i should read it i'm sure my mind will be blown if i do um It was a United States Supreme Court case that established the right of unmarried people to possess contraception on the same basis as married couples. So up until 1972, you could not get birth control unless you were a married woman. Isn't that crazy? 1972, bro. That's not long ago at all. When was The Shining made? (laughs) That's like my marker for the 70s. Oh, 1980, damn it. All right. What <laughs> movie came out around 1972 that we can all use to be like, wow, that wasn't that long ago? <laughs> uh, It's only eight years before The Shining. Same fucking deal. What's another eight years? 1972 is not long ago at all that uh, women, single women were able to have access to birth control. Like, that is crazy. And people don't even know this history. Like, I feel like you learn that birth control was invented or oral contraceptives were invented in like, you know. 1918 or something and you just kind of assume like and then we had it like no bitch we didn't have it we made it and then they're like you can't take that until 1972 and they're like okay actually you can't like what? And also, you know, I've randomly heard from like certain older women like, yeah, they couldn't even take out like bank loans, lines of credit uh, without like being married or having. I think if you were single, maybe you could have like your father's signature. But, um, you know, many women weren't even able to have their own bank account like not. And I don't know if it's a state thing or what. If any of you are historians, please tell me. But, you know, things like this are, like, so not long ago at all. It reminds me of the beginning of the fucking Maid Steal when they, like, took everyone's bank account stuff. Like, what the fuck? The fuck? Imagine not being able to go take out money at the bank because you're a woman. <laughs> not even long ago. That sounds like that should have been happening at the turn of the century when all that other stuff was going on. No, this is, like, the 70s. Bitch, the fuck, excuse me? No. No no (laughs) anyway let's start getting deeper (laughs) um so with this boom of feminism all these different kinds of feminism we have lesbian feminism black feminism we even have christian feminism which is crazy like christian bitches that were like yeah women i'm pretty sure they were anti-abortion too Um, so it's not like, you know, I don't think they found some like a lot of solidarity with all the other women in the movement, but they did exist. And I would say that they probably were feminist in many ways, you know? Um, so that's like crazy. There were all these different sorts of factions of feminism. And here is where we see some sort of conflict start to really emerge, you know, and to think about like whether or not the second wave in general aligns with our goals, Uh, or aligns with the definition of feminism that we agreed on, I would say that a lot of the things we're describing, obviously, uh, you know, achieve the goal of feminism. We have things like women gaining the right, quote unquote, to abortion, uh, to contraceptives, all different sorts of laws were passed in this time period, you know, I would say that these things align with the goal of feminism, but I think where it becomes to become ambiguous is when you have all these sort of warring factions of women coming from all different angles, with different ideas about what, fe- how feminism should be enacted, but then also beginning to have ideas about what feminism is in the first place, this is where we start to, I think, have less of a clear answer as to whether or not all of the narratives that emerge from these conflicts that begin in the second wave are truly feminist in and of themselves. And this is a popular misconception. I see a lot of people speak about third wave feminism as being um, a thing that is liberal feminism in the sense that it's choice based and individual based. And they act like this is just the third wave. Uh, And that second wave was mostly like radical feminism, which a lot of these movements were in the second wave. Um, But. That, I think, is a misconception because liberal feminism and this idea of, like, individual choice-based feminism actually begins in the second wave. And the conflict that emerges here is actually so strong and so intense that it almost effectively ends the second wave because women cannot come to an agreement. Um, and it's famously called the feminist sex wars because a lot of this conflict existed around these ideas where women are saying, you have a group of women saying, basically, whatever I want as a woman is feminist, you know? Um, well, I won't, I won't ascribe all of that to them. Um, I mean, to talk about, like, sexual liberation, because this is, like, an idea that becomes really relevant in the third wave and this is where I myself have a lot of conflict you know I think that this idea is contentious for very good reason obviously because historically I mean you look at women's sexuality what kinds of things were allowed to express how we're allowed to behave sexually uh you know what what were if we're even allowed to take pleasure in sex i mean look at look at all of the various cultures around the world that do things like female genital mutilation i mean what is the purpose of doing this if not to remove all pleasure from the act of sex for women that undergo this horrible procedure you know like this is a thing that is so policed not only in the western world Uh, And not only in like specific demographics in the Western world, I would say that this is a thing prevalent in about every fucking culture, even cultures that call themselves matriarchies, you know, they're not exempt from this. Like this is uh, this is a thing I would say just about every woman has experienced the policing of her own sexuality so I think that because this is true of course many women align with this idea that we want to be able to express our own sexuality however the fuck we see fit you know if I want to fuck 20 dudes in one night I want to suck all their fucking dicks and show them on my butthole then I'm gonna bitch And this is how I feel. I absolutely feel this way. That is my right to do whatever the fuck I want. And, you know, (laughs) lots of women have put forth this argument, especially in like things like music. I mean, Christina Aguilera and like Lil' Kim and them, they have anthems about this very idea. Why can a dude, you know, hook up with 15 people in a week? And if I do it, I'm a fucking hoe. I don't think so. So, you know, this is an important idea. And you can see why it's important to women, especially, obviously, because we're trying to become more equal to men in this regards with the expression of our sexuality and such. But, oh, kill alters. Hey, Bonnie or Nico, whichever one, I love you hoes. So, but, 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 this is my problem with the narratives That have come, that have emerged from this idea that I just described to you that women should uh, be able to express our sexuality however the fuck we want. My problem is that we already exist essentially in a catch 22. The problem is not simply that women have been denied. Our sexuality and our sexual expression and our freedom to you know have sex with whoever do whatever be nude do this or do that the problem also exists on the opposite end of this theoretical spectrum you know where we're also um we're also shamed for things like being modest, quote unquote, you know? We're shamed for being vanilla. If you don't wanna be sexual, you're also shamed, you know? You're you're shamed for being a prude, you're frigid, you're this, you're that. So it's like, that's true, right? And that's obviously a problem too. And then this other problem, on the other side of the spectrum, that if you're overly sexual, you're a problem. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, why would we then choose only one of these issues to address and frame the entire problem through the lens of. I don't think that that's adequate if the goal of feminism is a thing like the liberation of all women, the political liberation of all women. Um, I don't think that it's going to be adequate here if we decide that the way that women will become sexually liberated is if we focus on being able to be more openly sexual. Um, and I think it's not a coincidence that if you notice, if you notice, men seem to love this side of the spectrum, <laughs> that we're all becoming sexually liberated. I mean, wouldn't you say? I have never seen men become so enthusiastic about a feminist narrative. I don't even know if I could say, look, I love men, by the way. I know I might sound like being uh, like whatever. I love men. I don't even say men are trash, even though I sympathize with uh, what that came out of, which is something I'll tell you real quick. See, I could just rant forever. This is why I don't want to talk about feminism, because I could go forever. But a lot of people don't know this. The men are trash hashtag. Um, this originated in South Africa, and it came. Um, it became a hashtag because there was a... Uh, <sighs> A black lesbian activist that essentially um, she got lit on fire and murdered um, in the streets of South Africa and she was targeted because she was a feminist and a lesbian I don't want to say this if it's incorrect but I believe that she might have been raped and this is a thing that lesbians have to fear in all countries but especially in South Africa where where corrective rape is a tactic often employed on lesbians um you know this is what what it's the idea is like you know we're punishing these lesbians like and it's it's so fucked up but you know I don't think a lot of Americans even know this so that's part of why I've shared it with you it makes me see it differently because I've seen a lot of people complain about this men are trash hashtag or whatever and if it came out of nothing I think I might agree just because I don't like the fucking hashtagging and like condensing of these grand narratives into these tiny fucking three word mantras I think that that's largely a byproduct of capitalism and it also just like completely kills discourse in many ways because if you notice a lot of times when people try to have discussions about things uh you know a lot of people just a lot of people just answer with these fucking little mantras like oh I already have the answer I don't even have to talk about it I got my fucking little three-word mantra I'm just gonna throw it at you shut the fuck up that's my new whatever but what was I just saying I was saying that uh men are cool I love men I don't think men are trash, but I also think that, um, that was, uh, that helped raise awareness for a serious issue in South Africa. South Africa has an amazing feminist movement going on right now, but it's amazing because they're combating an insane problem. I mean, look it up. Not long ago, there was a young woman that was, uh, raped and murdered there and she was like i don't know like 15 and a lot of people mobilized around this um but anyway oh i'm talking about sexual liberation like yeah for me it's inadequate to just say that okay we're gonna correct this problem of women's sexuality being denied us by embracing this idea that women need to be sexually open because for one i think it's suspicious like i was just saying right that's why i went on this rant i think it's suspicious that men love this narrative and like i was just trying to say before i went on my rant i have never seen a man i don't think ever pretty much maybe like i could count on one hand like really get enthusiastic about any sort of feminist narrative anyone even a thing like abortion which is so obvious i i I would be lying to you if I said I ever felt like I saw some man get riled up about abortion rights. I just haven't. But when it comes to sexual liberation, holy shit. Men will come out of the fucking woodworks to tell me why I'm wrong about this and that and this and that. And women can do what they want. And if I want to choke women, if I want to strangle women, that's their right. They told me they want to be strangled. They told me they want to be abused. They told me they wanted to be fucking in a garbage bag and buried six feet below the earth for me to come back a week later and, then, and excavate them and like what what oh <laughs> like get off my butt i hate you anyway um, I think that that's awfully suspicious, and to speak of this polar opposite end of the spectrum, where I'm saying the problem already exists, this problem of modesty, this is an idea that I think a lot of people don't think about, because, like, if I come out with some of these sorts of criticisms, which I often do, of this narrative that uh comes around sexual liberation, a lot of people have essentially, like, likened myself and women like me to Puritans, which I just think is hilarious because, first of all, I hate Jesus. Second of all, I will show my butthole to anybody that asks for free. I don't even charge money. I'll show you my fucking butthole, especially if it proves to you that I'm not no fucking Puritan. I could give a fuck. You'll get this fucking butthole. I don't give a fuck. It's not about nudity or anything. Not about that. But this idea of modesty, I think, is patriarchal in and of itself in a way that is, like, truly sinister. Because, like, the concept of modesty, in my opinion, it is a concept that puts accountability on women for conditions that men created, you know? Like, what is modesty describing? It's supposed to describe, um an attitude that women have about themselves, you know, and how they interact with the outside world. So, like, you say a a woman dresses modestly, you know. Myself, I'm a perfect example. I dress modestly. I wear big fucking sweatpants and... sweatshirts you know that's technically modest in the sense it covers me up I don't do this necessarily because uh I feel like showing my butthole or my titties is offensive and immoral because like I just said I don't give a fuck and I'll show all of you my fucking butthole and my titties first of all I'm naked in multiple films okay (laughs) look them up uh secondly (laughs) I don't give a fuck. You know why women are modest? You know why women have even had to come up with a term like modest? Because they're hiding from the predatory gaze of these fucking men out here. Women didn't just decide, you know what? Um, I think that covering my titties is modest and good and moral. No, women noticed and women were told by men that, hey, we're staring at your titties and I want to Fuck you up and I want to fuck you and oh, you're so hot. And women are like, oh shit, I want to put a shirt on because this sucks. That's why modesty exists. And this is why I don't like it as a concept at all because as a concept, It's used in such a way where we say the woman is modest, the woman is enacting the modesty, but I don't think that that's an accurate or a good or a feminist way to conceptualize exactly what's happening here. Women aren't modest, women are hiding. That's what modesty is. It's not something that arises out of nowhere. You don't just choose by yourself to be modest, like I'm saying. Modesty is a concept that exists and was put onto us and described as a thing that we possess and have some control over when we really don't. I mean, it's a reactionary mode. Being modest is largely reactionary. If men weren't staring at us and committing all these acts of sexual harassment and assault and violence against us, there would be no need for a thing like, quote-unquote, modesty. We could all be running around out here butt-naked, and wouldn't that be nice, huh? We could all see each other's buttholes. I think that would be great. But we can't. Not because women want to be Puritans and modest, you fucking sexists. It's because they're hiding from you fucking sickos out here literally everywhere literally committing so many acts of sexual violence against women. Like, it's just, it's insane. And I think it's hard to even, the scale of it is so massive that I truly think it's hard for men to conceptualize what it's like. And this is why I don't hold them entirely accountable, but also why I don't depend on them for getting anything done with regards to feminism. And why I think it's our responsibility as women to get shit done. You know, because as they can't understand the scale of the problem, they're not going to understand the scale of what needs to happen to address it. I mean, any woman listening to this knows, like, every time you go out the house, you should be ready to have some sort of encounter with a man that's uncomfortable. Like, it's pretty much just par for the course, you know. No matter what you're wearing, what you're doing, some fucking creep at the gas station is going to say something. He's going to snare. He's going to something, something. Who fucking knows? yeah you'll get an email from some guy you met once 20 years ago that's like oh I'm thinking about you like literally like just everything 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 you want to watch Serena Williams on tv cool like you're gonna see someone be like ooh, that ass like literally nothing 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 I can interact with nothing without having to be reminded I'm a woman and I live in this bullshit I'm gonna show you all my butthole so that's my problem with this um sexual liberation thing that emerges but either way either way to think of uh trying to find the solution that best aligns with our goal of achieving the goal of this thing we define feminism as which is the socio-political organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests how does this relate to sexual liberation as a concept because this is part of the drift that divides second wave feminism in such a dramatic way that um, you know it ultimately kind of evaporates in many ways um, I, w- I would say that the idea of sexual liberation I mean I don't even think it can really be understood like as political i mean it can in a certain way because i think these concepts like uh, largely govern how we interact with like you know institutions political institutions like monogamy and uh child rearing and uh you know all sorts of things but beyond this like i mean what are the arguments usually made for why like for why, like myself, I'm criticized by mostly men, not women, I'm telling you, seriously. Mostly men, when I want to speak out against um, a thing like what I find to be the overwhelmingly misogynistic nature of pornography. You know, what are the arguments? The only arguments that I feel are ever leveraged against me are that some women like it like okay that's great like i'm i'm glad they like i would hope that these women are not doing this because they don't like it i mean that that would be terrible i hope to god they like it please like it like i don't want to i i can't stand any more bullshit i hope that they like it but this doesn't have anything to do with feminism as a political movement does it like What does liking something have to do with anything? Cause like we were saying before, even in the first wave of feminism, when women were fighting for the right to fucking vote, there was women being like, so what? I don't need to vote, I'm fine, I like it. I like it here, I don't care, I like it. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do with that? Of course, feminism can never literally unite every woman on the face of the fucking planet, that's just impossible. I mean, how many women are there now, 3.5 billion? This is not possible. Um, so like, how do we navigate this process? You know, my personal idea is that when it comes to sexual liberation, if we want to do the thing that truly liberates all women in the realm of sexuality, I think what we need to do first and foremost, and this is just my idea, okay? I don't know if this is good strategy, but this is how I feel and what I desire for myself and for other women. I think that the thing that really needs to happen is women need to be liberated from sexuality. I want to exist as a being that is not even considered in proximity to my sexuality, you know? Whether or not I like it, whether or not I'm considered Puritan or prude or openly sexual, I just want to exist as fucking best Bethany, the weird person that does weird stuff from New Jersey, you know, I don't want to, people to even consider my sexuality unless, you know, we like go on a date or something, you know, I don't want this, but I think it's undeniable that women are like trapped in this. Like I was just saying, you can't expect to even leave your fucking house without some guy reminding you that you are essentially a sexual commodity and men see you this way. You know, I think for women to be truly sexually liberated, we need to be liberated from this reality where we're constantly reminded over and over again by men and also by each other that Ultimately, the value of us as women is intrinsically linked in the minds of men to our sexuality and our sexual worth. I don't want this. I want women to be liberated from this reality, you know? I think it's important. And to speak about, like, pornography uh, specifically, um, this is something like... <sighs> let me get on my... Th- let me... <laughs> okay. I think that I, I, (sighs) when speaking about pornography, like, again, when I try to say that the overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority of pornographic content is misogynistic, the only rebuttal I'm ever really, uh, anybody ever really raises to me is the one I already said, that some women like it. And for me, this is insufficient, you know? I'm not going to try to make them dislike it. That is outside the realm of my control or my interests or my goals as a feminist, you know? I don't care. Like, women should be allowed to do and like and participate in whatever the fuck they want. My problem is that we have created this narrative in mainstream feminism where women are expected to embrace pornography as a thing that's empowering and we're supposed to feel empowered by it because it is sexually liberating and i hope i've just described to you why myself personally and i think many women agree with me well i know they have or do because i speak with them all the time Many women don't desire this, you know. Many of us feel sexually liberated. We don't even have, I don't have hang-ups. I just told you I'll show you my fucking butthole. I'll show anyone my butthole. I don't have a hang-up about my sexuality. What my hang-up is at this point is I am sick of living in a culture where I am constantly reminded that most people not just men men, women too we are not exempt from these forces of socialization that are so fucking powerful we even see ourselves as sexual commodities and we fucking it's like a Margaret Atwood quote that I've read once that like freaked me out where she basically says like we are our own voyeurs I feel like that's so true you know even a person like myself who hypothetically does not place some sort of value on a thing like physical beauty in a woman, I know that it doesn't really mean anything. Even me, I feel like I've been so brainwashed from the time that I was like a child until now that like it's still even hard for me to like, you know, see women in a way that I feel is like truly not patriarchal in and of itself and not misogynistic, you know. Like we're taught to value youth in women and stuff you know i feel like even though i've been a feminist for such a long time it's only recently where i feel like i've only started to like see older women without feeling this sense of like sadness like oh i bet she used to be pretty you know like i'm starting finally finally After being a crazy fucking feminist for however fucking long now, I'm finally, just now, starting to see older women, like, in a way that I feel is more respectful, you know? Isn't that crazy? If it's so hard for fucking me to undo the brainwashing, how hard is it for everybody else? Especially people that don't even, like, like feminists. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? We're fucked. We're fucked. This issue is fucked. (laughs) It's heavy but anyway so let's go back to pornography for a second because this is something I've said a few times and I feel like it's an it's a thing that some women have argued for I don't know enough about um Andre Andrea Dworkin is a woman a famous second wave feminism feminism feminist that has um that actually got some legislation passed in this sort of arena. But apart from her, I'm not sure entirely who else uh, has been successful here. But this is my argument and my proposition because I'm a solutions bitch. I don't like to just sit around and fucking fight all whatever all day. I have solutions. Just like I proposed some sort of hypothetical solution to the sexual liberation puzzle, I'm about to propose another one that I've already proposed. Uh, on social media various times but I think that this is a compelling argument and if it's not I would like to hear why um I'm someone that believes that clearly if feminism is a political movement the justification that some women enjoy a thing like pornography which I would say the overwhelming majority of people consider to be incredibly misogynistic that's not justification enough for why we should all celebrate it clearly you know Um, So that in and of itself is a problem because already this this (laughs) it's ridiculous to me. But this opinion in and of itself has become controversial. It's like, what? (laughs) Please. Um, But beyond this, I think that um, the issue actually needs to be like taken care of. And I should also say I should also say. Because this is important before I get into my arguments for how to strategize here. I don't think there's anything implicitly wrong about pornography in and of itself, obviously. I don't give a fuck about nudity. There's nothing implicitly wrong or misogynistic with filming naked people boinking. Absolutely not, who cares? It's just naked people boinking, (laughs) not a big deal. But the issue is that how, as we exist in a patriarchy, so we, uh, you know, it's not that hard to see how this has happened. Um, porn, the specific content we see in porn and the overwhelmingly popular and the majority of the content is incredibly, incredibly misogynistic. And if you tell me it isn't, I mean, I think you're an idiot like it's just not even rational there's there's no way to even rationalize it go to any main porn site right now and what do you see it's just like dumb whore gets stuffed by five black cocks i mean that's another thing it's super racist as well um you know and it's just like dumb slut fucking my stupid sister while she's sleeping fucking my mom while my dad's not home you know uh underage and teenager are like such big categories. Last time I went, I don't even, I wanted to post this online but I felt I would get in trouble. Last time I visited Pornhub, there was an ad in the banner that was seriously I mean, I forget the name of it. It was like little girlfriends. Like, it was obviously trying to be like, look, little underage girls. This girl seriously looked like she was eight. Like, I don't even know if I believe it was an 18-year-old that looked underage. It was either a real girl that was in her underage or it was photoshopped and that's how they got away with it. But it's it, lo- it was a child. It didn't even, it wasn't like, oh, she's ambiguous looking. It literally looked like an eight-year-old. It was so fucked up. And it was on the main page of fucking Pornhub. Like, are you kidding me? You have to go out of your way to find the stuff that is not incredibly, like, devastating. You want to find some porn where, like, women are not just being absolutely brutalized and called dumb whores and dumb bitches and dumb sluts. And you're fucking your sister and your mom and everyone and kidnapping this one and forcing this on this one. Like... You have to go out of your way, and even when you find that content, a lot of that content in and of itself is questionable. Like, the bar is literally so fucking low. Even lesbian porn, you know, you want to look at lesbian porn? Like, you better find a website that actually makes it, because even the lesbian porn on, like, fucking Pornhub and shit is just, like, totally some fucking heterosexual dude's fantasy of what lesbians are. And that's why halfway through half of those videos, some dude pops up and just fucks both of them. It's not lesbian porn. Like, what the fuck? Ah! Anyway, um, so because this content is so misogynistic, in my opinion, I believe that women who do not want to be witness to this should be legally protected from such materials. Because the way I see it, they, all of this material functions the same exact way as hate speech. Because hate speech does exactly this. What is hate speech? I'll look up the definition just so we have the clear definition. Hate speech, hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. Uh, Where are you hate speech? where are you hate speech where can i find you okay here we go hate speech speech gestures conduct writing or displays that incite violence or prejudicial actions against a group or individuals on the basis of their membership in the group if porn doesn't fit that definition what does (laughs) like seriously i i don't see overwhelmingly like uh anti-male porn don't male get stuffed with five cocks like the stupid bitch that he is or something maybe in gay porn or something too but a lot of gay porn i would say is also enacting misogyny in its own way but i won't talk about that but you know like a thing with like even like women humiliating men porn is like it's so clearly like some patriarchal fantasy you're not really seeing the woman as like some agent of anything she's just a stand-in for your sexual fantasy or whatever it's not really like she's dominating you in any way except for this scene where you are really in total control I mean you're only here to participate as a masturbator but This, um, I mean, I think that all this content functions like hate speech. It's pretty much just propaganda against women. And I think that women should have the right to not have to be witness to it. And I also am somebody who does not believe in censorship at all. I don't believe in banning porn. I don't believe in banning hate speech. I'm someone who very much believes in free speech or whatever. For no other reason than that, (laughs) well because we have it already, and fuck it, I don't want to get rid of that shit either, because you think, you think a thing is bad today, tomorrow it's, tomorrow someone says you're bad, you know, I think even things like hate speech should be protected under free speech, so the point of having even such a classification, though, is because we still would be given protections as women, you know, like, hate speech is legal in the United States, right, but there's a reason that things like hate speech are, uh, strictly not tolerated on certain platforms, or at least they put this forward. Of course, it still gets through, you know, to give Twitter, uh, as an example, like Twitter, um, I'm pretty sure has like a no hate speech policy. Of course, there's tons of hate speech on Twitter, but... When it arises, sometimes you do have some sort of, like, an argument. You have some sort of, like, a weapon, quote-unquote, for how you can try to protect yourself from this kind of content. And because, um, you know, certain things are generally regarded by the public as hate speech, you also just see an attitude where, you know, certain, like, institutions will be, like, famously, like, disavowed because it's supposed to be a hub of hate speech. Look at um a website like 4chan, you know. Like, 4chan is... I mean, they go through so many peaks and valleys and how, like, the public perceives them, but there is are a site that I would say in the past four years especially have been come to be regarded by the public as, like, a hotbed of hate speech and, you know, they're publicly disavowed and stuff because there really is, like, a lot of fucking racism and terrible shit on there, you know? Um, I think, too, like wh- like, if the public just even started to adopt this idea, started to understand that this kind of content being out in the world for women to bear witness to it like literally at any moment unannounced even you know scrolling social media it's like just today i was scrolling fucking twitter trying to read the news and some thing pops up like like oh i want to i want to get it like this or something and it looked like simulated rape like why do i have to see this why is this allowed and no everyone's just like ooh, that's hot like you're all fucking brainwashed all of you myself too i'm brainwashed too i'm not just trying to say you're brainwashed and i'm not like i'm fucked up too this shit did a number on me you know how distressed i am inside of here inside of myself distressed (sighs) anyway i think that starting to fight for these kinds of things because like i said i'm a solutions bitch if you agree with what I'm putting forward here, if you agree that women should have the right to not have to bear witness to this kind of incredibly misogynistic material, and also for men to make a joke out of it all the fucking time, you need to recognize that all women are affected by the presence of this material and this culture that exists where this material is fucking everywhere. I don't wanna ban it. I wanna send it back to the fucking basement with all the other hate speech, you know? Of course it pops up here in there sometimes in incredible ways i mean the past four years has been a fucking hate speech extravaganza for all different types of demographics you know but still to classify it as such would be a step forward the fact that even like so-called leftist men who hate women just as much as conservative men by the way i don't care what the fuck they say they're just creepier with it They fucking will call me anti-feminist if they're like, oh, you don't like porn? Well, then you want sex workers to die. Like, bitch, are you kidding me? I want you to die. I don't want them to die. I want them to come here and hang out with me and you die. That's what I want. I like them. I'm here for them. I'm not here for you. Fuck you. This is not about you. Stay the fuck out of it, men. (laughs) Sometimes men ask me what they can do to participate. I would say in conversations like this, don't. That's what you can do. Shut the fuck up. That's my suggestion if you're asking me for one. But anyway, I could go on forever. I think that this content functions as hate speech and women have the right and should fight for the right To not have to be subject to it. Also things like you know strip clubs. Why is there a strip club in every fucking town? It's literally a zoo for women. I myself was a stripper for many years. In many clubs. In many states. And I had never seen one male strip club. In all of my experience as a stripper. Never. Never ever. When I worked in Vegas. There was one strip club that had men too. That's it. But they also had women. It wasn't a male strip club. The only time I've ever heard of male strippers is like women, uh, calling them for their bachelor parties. <laughs> Which, like, whatever, cute, fun. No one's getting hurt. And the men seem like, they don't seem like they feel demoralized. But if they do, we should listen to them, too. You know, like, I, if there was a strip club for men in every, or a strip club of naked men in every town, too, of course, I would see this as less of a problem. But it doesn't exist. That's the problem. The problem with all this shit is it's so one-sided. All of it. And this is my other argument, You can't say that things like sex work are going to liberate the female class and this is why ultimately I don't think that it is feminist. It's feminist that we care about the safety of these women's women's, women and make sure that they're protected because whether or not we like it, the sex industry is very real and many women are very vulnerable in these institutions, you know. And it's our duty to protect them, especially the most vulnerable of them, you know, who I I think often get completely ignored in these kinds of conversations but I'll go there in a second but it it can't be understood as a political the, the the a thing like porn and stripping and prostitution these I don't think align with the goals of female liberation because as a political movement we need political independence all of these things I just listed rely on a male consumer base, like it promotes our economic dependence on men, which I think is um, an argument that even people who feel like this or that way about the feelings part of all this stuff, I just described how it's like hate speech, you don't even have to agree with any of that to agree, I think with this point, this point that how can a thing be liberating women, if essentially, it promotes our economic dependence on men because women aren't the people primarily buying these sorts of materials. Women aren't the primary consumers of porn, not even close. They're not the primary consumers of uh, strip club services, of uh, prostitutes, of Snapchats, of OnlyFans, of all this. The clientele base is overwhelmingly male. And from my experience as a stripper, I will tell you, I don't know how it works on the internet. I've never done all the, like the nude stuff and stuff. But as a stripper, oh my god. Not only are they men, they are the most misogynistic men you will ever meet in your fucking life. I have never been spoken to so fucking disrespectfully and like I'm a fucking dog here. I just exist to like suck dick and get dicks hard as I have been spoken to in strip clubs. Like these men fucking hate us. Seriously. And anyone who says otherwise is a fucking liar. I don't care. Like, I'm so over it. I'm so over people fucking lying. It's a lie. And a lot of people say here, too, like, well, we just got to make more male strip clubs for women or whatever. It's like, no, that's not going to work. Because honestly, women don't want it. We just don't. We don't see men the way men see us. We judge them I think in a way that is a lot more respectful of their reality and you know we we I um, look I'm not saying we're implicitly better or anything but like women I think have come to appreciate men more than we've come to even appreciate ourselves you know we see men I think in many instances as more human than we are and so I don't think a lot of us desire things like I'm sure, like, I mean, a male strip club would be fun, shit, I guess. But I don't, I don't, I don't envision myself going there and getting horny. (laughs) I think I'd just be laughing. I'd probably be on a ton of acid. I'd want to show my butthole, too. Maybe we could, like, line our buttholes up and they touch. That sounds fun. But, like, I can't see myself, like, getting horny at a strip club. I mean, can you, women, (laughs) like, a man's strip club? I don't know. That's just, maybe? I don't know. Shit. Maybe it feels, like, (laughs) jungle-themed. and i'm alone not with a bunch of men just like in their little fucking zebra thongs like i don't fucking know i just don't see men that way i would i would think it's unattractive like why are you dancing around like like a little fucking fucking monkey in the zoo i don't like it because i see you as a human you know i don't think that a lot of women have the same benefit that's why i say i think a lot of these men that go to these strip clubs They are able to get aroused and see it as this incredibly pleasurable experience because they don't see us as people. I mean, in this venue. I'm not saying all men don't see us as people, though, I wonder. But, you know, like, I think a lot of women cannot conceptualize getting horny in some environment with men doing this because we respect men too much. It's like, it would be unattractive to see a man walk around like a fucking freak like that. (laughs) Just, like, be like, ooh, look at my butt. It's jiggling, like... Okay, who are you, guy? <laughs> I wanna talk about Kierkegaard. Anyway, so yeah, no matter what kind of arguments can be made about feelings, uh, I think that you have to offer a justification here for why we as women and as feminists should embrace sex work as a thing to be overcome. not overcome (laughs) a thing to be celebrated because unless you can convince me that the consumer base of this stuff is going to inexplicably turn like uh you know 50 50 men and women or something or more women then just like from a more neutral unaffected standpoint like i i don't see how this could liberate women or i don't want to be economically dependent on men isn't that part of our problem We're reliant on men for so much. We need to liberate ourselves and create industries where we support each other and also just become involved in industries that I think are not incredibly, don't have crazy gender disparities either which way. You know, I think that's a way that we can truly gain some sort of economic independence. And I think that our economic independence is very important when considering our political liberation. Um, shit. Shit. Okay. So, I was going through the waves of feminism. I've been speaking for a long time. I knew this would go on forever. I'm sorry. I hope it's okay. But, I want to speak about the third wave real quick. Because, this is like part of, I think it puts into perspective like maybe how we found ourselves here and what's going on for those who might be unfamiliar, um, so basically, like, the second wave of feminism kind of dissolves, like I said, amidst this, like, conflict that exists between radical feminists, liberal feminists, also white versus black feminists, there's so much conflict here, and again, to speak of race, um, I feel like, there's like um again just similar in the first wave again at the end of second wave feminism there's this like little fucking bloom of black feminist activity where they're writing some of their most like seminal works i mean bell hooks mostly wrote in um like the early 80s i believe let's look it up real quick um but again the second wave of feminism is said to end uh right around the feminist sex wars when the liberal feminists and the radical feminists couldn't fucking stand each other no more um uh, but black feminists were writing some, um, works that would become, like, super seminal to the history of black feminism, and one of them is Alice Walker, um, who is the famous inventor of womanism, and also the author of the book The Color Purple, which a lot of people have at least seen the movie for if you haven't read the book, um, And Alice Walker is a radical feminist. And it's really interesting learning about this history, which I did not know about until this past year because I was reading about the waves of feminism. It's Alice Walker's daughter, Rebecca Walker, who coins the term third wave feminism in 1995, I believe. Sorry, I'm like literally Googling as I'm sitting here. But I think I got most of these pretty much right. And it's so interesting, and I feel like everybody who's interested, please find some of these interviews that Rebecca Walker does, um, specifically speaking about her mother, Alice. There was one on NPR, I believe. Um, I think it's 1992 is when Rebecca coins... Uh, third wave feminism and she's the daughter of Alice Walker who is a famous second wave feminist like i just said um rebecca's perspective on feminism is like so interesting and when you read it it's crazy like she basically almost is speaking out of this rebellious attitude she has towards her mother like she is angry and in many ways like her philosophy of feminism is very reactionary i'm hesitant to call it that because i sympathize like deeply with her on what she says and this is why i say like please look it up because it's just fascinating really she feels like you know being witness to all of alice uh walker's feminist theory in the second wave where Alice was saying things like you know being a mother does not make her feel fulfilled having a family is not fulfilling for her like I think she gives a specific example of like a writing from uh, Alice where she basically describes how like it almost sounds like she says she regrets having children which I imagine is devastating for Rebecca to try to interact with you know as her daughter um and Rebecca is clearly, like, upset with Alice. I don't believe that they even speak or they stop speaking. I'm not sure if Alice is still alive. But it was, like, bitter. It wasn't just like, oh, here's my critique of my mom, but I'm going to go see her on Christmas. No, it's like we don't talk. Like, we don't fucking speak. Um, And her idea is essentially that, like you know, uh, women should be able to do whatever they want. And if what I want to do is to be a mother, if what I want to do is to be domestic, if I want to fill the stereotype of womanhood, I will. And she even says some things that I, I mean, it sounds super problematic to me. She says things like, you know, the feminists like of the second wave were like these hairy kind of looking like, I don't know if she said lesbians. I don't want to ascribe that to her. It wasn't homophobic or anything. But she basically calls, like, in one thing I read, she calls second wave feminists, like, hairy and ugly. And, like, she wanted to make feminism sexy. Like, it kind of sounds like some pick me stuff. But I'm not going to put that all on her. Like, for one, I'm sympathetic to what she's saying. Like, I, 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 it, it feels like it makes sense, you know. You're this daughter of this famous feminist thinker. And you're seeing that she's like telling the world things like it seems to you, at least like I don't I'm I didn't even want a daughter, something like this, you know. So, of course, it makes sense that now Alice comes and is like, if women want to have daughters, if they want to lead lives of domesticity, we should be allowed to, you know. And that's something I absolutely agree with on an ideological level, but I'm not sure it works as a thing that fulfills the goals of feminism as a political movement. But Alice, I mean, this is only one part of her philosophy. Alice Walker's theory on feminism also has much to do with intersectionality and how feminism affects and sexism affects black women in particular. And I think that this is like the best thing to come out of this emergence of the third wave, you know, uh, basically, like, a sig- a call to arms, uh, for women to, like, start fucking paying attention to what black women have been trying to tell us since, like, 1870 with Sojourner Truth, you know, and listen to them and stop assuming that the way that they experience sexism is the way that we experience it. Like, our experiences of sexism are fundamentally different, but also, not fundamentally, I won't say that. I don't believe they're fundamentally different, but they are different in many of their specific incarnations, but they are fundamentally similar. And this is what unites us as women, you know, but we can't really be united until like we really pay attention to what every group of women needs, you know? So this is a great idea and something that third wave feminism purports to embrace. But this is my problem. I kind of feel like once again, black women are done a disservice here because it's like people how often do you hear this kind of language repeated left and right i'm intersectional i care about black women i care about women that aren't white this and that but do you see it do you see it anywhere i don't fucking see it anywhere i i see people call other women uh like me you know what i just said like pornography like uh fucks and prostitution is a dangerous institution people will be like that's some white feminist rhetoric like huh how you're literally selling nudes from your fucking Fucking, you're fucking high rise in Manhattan what are you talking about I never hear you talking about literally anything that affects black women or women that aren't white like I mean how about the fact there's a fucking serial killer targeting black prostitutes right now in Chicago where's that conversation instead people want to fight on fucking Twitter all day about like fucking OnlyFans and like misogynist got my thing banned or whatever it's like yeah that's misogyny that's fucked up but like this, wh- feminism is supposed to be a political movement you know it, we can't just address the needs of like every woman specific thing. This is why I don't think that a thing like that works, you know. And then the in the third wave, we have so many people claiming to to care about things like what Al, uh, Rebecca Walker is saying we should care about things like how race affects different demographics of women, and yet I don't see this put in action anywhere. I feel like their language is being co-opted, and this shouldn't be hard for anybody to imagine because it happens to black women all the fucking time you know their accomplishments and the ideas that they come up with are basically taken by other groups of people and then used for whatever purposes you know and I think that this is absolutely a thing that has happened in modern feminism I always see people be like They use this concept of white feminism, which is a thing that black women came up with to describe their experience of sexism and how it's so different from white women's experience of sexism. They came up with this concept of white feminism. And now we have all these fucking white men and women that are just like, I love sex work. Sex work is the best. Like, if you don't agree with me, like, you're a fucking fascist. Die. Like. They're the ones screaming, like, you're a white feminist to everybody, like, who wants to have actual discussions about what the fuck we're gonna do, about the fact that women in actually marginalized communities are being targeted for violence and shit, like, people act like sex work is just, like, selling nude photos on your phone, I don't even know, does does that even count as sex work? I don't even know, how, I mean, you're not having sex, you're selling nudes, like, is being naked sex? I don't think so. Like, when I think of what we need to really address as feminists with sex work, it's like we need to address the fact that there's all these underage women um, literally on the streets in communities that, uh, you know, are poverty-stricken. And, you know, obviously our black population is affected disproportionately by poverty rates and violence and all of this. I mean, like, women, black women go missing in the hood and the cops don't fucking look for them like they fucking say oh she's probably on drugs she was a runaway like you know i mean the the serial killer with the highest body count in america i believe it was it was somewhere between 60 and 90 women that's such a wide margin i can't believe i don't even know either way the the rate is astronomical he specifically targeted black women and he specifically targeted black women that were prostituting on the streets not women that had internet and whatever women that were on the streets in this shit he targeted them because he knew that the cops wouldn't do anything they don't give a fuck i mean they barely give half a fuck when white women disappear as prostitutes on the street you think they're gonna give a fuck if black women from like the south side of chicago go missing of course fucking not serial killers target these women like on purpose you know and women who are cut off from the rest of us like these women that a lot of people these feminists that I think go around screaming like white feminists and you're not a feminist at everybody these people I think are really I mean I, I don't know. It's, like, evil to me. I think it's sinister. The way that they're trying to reframe narratives and center themselves in these narratives when, like, women are literally dying, especially black women and native women, especially, oh, my God, I think native women have the highest rates of, uh like, missing, missing women. I think proportionately, like, they have some of the highest rates of missing women and rape in the whole nation, like... But whoever talks, no one talks about them. You just co-opt the language to justify whatever you want to say about, you know, shutting up people who are, like, against porn or something. And again, this also all goes back to literally the first thing I tried to say on here when we were talking about how, like, ideology is the most superficial way to interface with any of these stuff, any of this stuff, you know? I think it's easy and nature follows the path of less resistance right to just become embroiled in these hot topics on things like Twitter and whatever social media like you want to fight about Twitter's banning pornography let's talk about it for seven days how like is what's what's the feminist thing what do the women think what is it banning porn like oh my god the ban porn hashtag have you people seen this. It's hilarious. It's a bunch of men fighting. I don't think I saw any woman say anything. Maybe, like, one Christian and, like, a Nazi. <laughs> like, some some Nazi lady and a Christian. I think those are the only ones I saw. I'm just assuming she's a Nazi. I don't know. She's, like, one of these all-right people. Like, I, I don't see any women talking on this banned porn tag. It's just men fighting. Men on the right, what's the famous saying? Men on the right see women as private property and men on the left see women as public property yes I think that's so true and I think that people should start to question the kinds of narratives that we're seeing emerge because like I said not starting to emerge I actually think they're starting to be questioned more than ever and that's part of why I feel comfortable right now not giving a fuck showing you all my uh conceptual butthole bearing my ass with this because honestly like a year ago maybe a little longer than that I don't think I would even feel comfortable saying some of this stuff because I just don't want to deal with the trouble you know but like I feel like everything I'm saying is so obvious like it's it's crazy to me that like you could even like and if it's not obvious it's obvious why it should be included in feminist discourse you know what I'm saying you could agree with nothing I'm saying but I think most people can agree like this should be, uh, if women f- like myself feel this way, and I'm definitely not the only woman that does, like, shouldn't this be included in discourse? But not that long ago, I feel like it, some of the things I've been saying here is just unacceptable. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. <sighs> I've been going on for an hour and 41 minutes. I should probably stop. I'm looking at what I wrote here. I mean, I also wanted to be thorough in this and cover just about like everything I could think of in the broadest sense of whatever. Oh wait, I didn't conclude. We're doing phenomenological reductions. So this third wave of feminism and some people have said we're in the fourth wave of feminism actually, which I don't personally think we, ha- we are in a fourth wave. I don't think we're even in a third wave because I don't think to answer the question that I put forth for myself, I don't think we have a feminist movement right now. All of these things I'm describing, third wave feminism, I don't think it's feminism, at least not what it's come to be. I, don't, I wouldn't say that it's what has transpired and what's described as the third wave is strong enough to even classify it as a wave. I think that these ideas presented to us by um, Rebecca Walker in particular, I think as they relate to race, I think that these are things that we should really focus on, but actually focus on, not just take the words of other women and use them against whoever for your own fucking purposes. Because feminism is not a movement, it's not a self-help movement for women. It's not a how do I feel good movement for women. It's a political movement, you know? It's not about you, it's about us, bitch. If you don't wanna be a part of us, leave. Leave, but don't tell us what we need to be doing. And also recognize this is not misogyny or internalized misogyny or whatever the fuck. I love you, bitch. My door will always be open for anyone, any woman that disagrees with me. My door is always open for you, always. But we can't sit around and wait for you to jump on the fucking ship. Like people are dying, Karen. They're dying. Just stop. Just stop. You don't want to be a part of what we're doing. Don't. 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 Go do your thing. Go do it. No one's stopping you. Just please. Don't lie to people, and especially to young women and to girls, and tell them that what you're doing is feminism, because it's just not. You're lying. You're lying. Unless you want to tell us what feminism means, you have some new definition, because clearly it doesn't fit the one that we all agreed on. The socio political organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests, not your individual rights and interests, women's rights and interests. So what you don't have in common with all other women, just like write that off, you know, not all other women, but like, you know, within groups, like if if your desire is individual to yourself, then just just file that under to do later, to do not with feminism (laughs) to do after feminism (laughs) you know you know you know shit i'm looking at my notes one other thing i wrote that i didn't speak about was hip-hop because i do feel like um especially in black feminist history especially hip-hop has so many amazing icons and role models for women And for black women especially and this is something that distresses me and I've also spoken about and I won't go too deep about but I think a lot of people are not aware of this history that when hip-hop began and especially like in the early 90s when it started to really like you know ramp up um there was so many more female MCs than we've been led to believe you know there's Bahamadia and Queen Latifah. There's Yo Yo, who worked with Ice Cube. Um, shit. Yeah. Ling Kuei, who's one of my favorite rappers ever. Boss, obviously. Um, DeBrett. Who else? I just, there's, there's really so many. I mean, Lady of Rage. And, like, these women were not, um, these women were, like, not. Uh, necessarily sexually commodified if anything I mean I think they still obviously existed in a patriarchal reality like a lot of their presentations seemed almost like what you would describe as the stereotype of like masculine dress code for example a lot of these women were like baggy clothes and stuff but and in that sense maybe they did that I think probably on purpose in certain ways you know because if you want to hang with the men you have to like basically like try to look like them be with them equalize on some level so they see you for your talent you know but I think it wasn't really until Lil' Kim happened and I love Lil' Kim like I fucking love Lil' Kim so I'm not saying anything about this but like I think when Lil' Kim happened studios realized like oh we can sell sex in rap too you know um, let's do that instead, and then, like, it's almost like, overnight, all the female MCs disappeared, and there's only one, and it's Lil' Kim for a bit, and then it's Nicki, the new female rapper, who's also super sexy, and basically stole Lil' Kim's, oh, wait, shit, never mind, Nicki, whatever, I like, I wanna, I like Nicki, anyway, and then Cardi B, you know, but it's crazy, because before this, like, there was, like, there was mad female MCs, like, so it makes me sad. Um, but I'm glad to see this like slowly. It seems like we're breaking away from this. I feel like this year especially people are saying it's the year for women. We have Megan the Stallion Enrico Nasty and a bunch of different women. So that's great to see. But I just had to say that because you know for myself too like these women are women that I really admire personally. Their are art and I feel it's criminally underrated and I want to share it at any opportunity. But anyway, I hope I've shared my ideas. I want to take questions, but I also don't. Like, I feel like someone's going to be like, so you fucking did this or do you want people to die? And I'm going to have to, like, get into that. I don't think I'm going to do that. It's already 1.47, an hour and 47 minutes. This is the longest thing I've ever did. Uh, it feels kind of good to get that out. I have no idea if that was um an enjoyable thing to listen to. I hope that I helped clarify some of my arguments here. Maybe now I can just refer people to this instead of going on and on about, like, this shit on social media. And I also think it's important to establish a tone, you know. Because on Twitter, you know, especially when I talk about feminist shit, I feel like people think I'm over here like, which I am but my (laughs) mourning is also I think pretty jovial you know you have to take everything in stride and uh you know honestly like sexism is so the scale of it is so massive to me at a point it becomes almost funny like it's it's absurdly large it's like a it's like a clown glove (laughs) You know, like clown gloves are hilarious because why are they so fucking big? Your hand's not that big. That's kind of how I feel about sexism sometimes. Like I'll feel sad, but then I'm like, bro, this is ridiculous. Like, are you serious? This is crazy. It's so big. It's like a clown glove. So that brings me joy. (laughs) Um, I hope that people uh, got something from it. And more than anything, I hope people understand that I care because I care about women. Like, this is about women. This is, And I feel like, you know, the hardest part for me to, like, access these conversations is I'm afraid that women who might participate in some of the things that, like, you know, these institutions that I'm critical of, I don't want women to feel like I'm judging them. I'm not. I'm really not judging them. Like, and I spent years in these institutions myself and I don't feel guilty for it and neither should anybody you know like you do what you got to do and a lot of what you do is a survival tactic you know but at the same time like I think if we recognize that feminism is a political movement and not just about us as individuals and also think about the fact that there's so many young girls alive in the world now and that will come after us you know like they deserve better than what we have and I hope that they feel the same way so I think that it is our responsibility to care and to care about people and women other than yourself you know and also in how we navigate like these different demographics of race like start conversations with and listen to other women like just like fucking there's so we have the internet you know fucking watch lectures and listen and start engaging too with like this history of feminism, which is pretty recent because like I said, I mean, I'm someone who considers myself pretty well read and stuff. And just like reading feminist theory and stuff, getting into it for the first time in my life, I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. And I'm someone who likes to think I literally have thought of everything, but I haven't. And f- Engaging with feminism in a real way has finally like made me start to realize this and I think that part of why I was never really interested in engaging with feminism at all was because in many ways I didn't see it as an important thing like I'm brainwashed too I don't think that I thought it was important or interesting and also that anything that could be said was probably something I've already thought about and come to my own conclusion which is just so fucking vain and sexist of myself really against other women so the more I engage with this kind of content, the more I'm very humbled by all that I am learning. But anyway, thank you for listening. This this was cathartic, I guess. I don't feel better. I'm going to still keep talking my shit, obviously. But anyway, join Phenomenology Club if you feel like talking further about this stuff, too. Uh, and other stuff. Last night, we fought for over an hour about what a chair is. So, it's not always heavy. <laughs> I mean, that was heavy. That was more stressful than this conversation. But anyway, join the club. Links in the comments. Give me a like up. Subscribe. You had a fucking, out of. stay trippy. Um, I'll talk to you all later. Goodbye.